So, Mayor, we're going to do like our 2023 year in review. And when we when we were brainstorming and walking through the year trying to remember everything, I thought it was interesting what we remembered and what we didn't remember. Because it's been, it's been a, a busy year, but also kind of a confusing year, especially on the Mac side of things. So the first thing that we forgot, or one of the first things we forgot, was the Mac Mini. So this was, what, January? Where Apple did a new M2 and M2 Pro Mac Mini. And at the same time, that's when it did the M2 Pro and M2 Max MacBook Pro. Is that right? Yes. So that was January. Yes, 17th of January was both the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini update with M2. Which is, yes, all the way back in January, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's when we forgot about the Mac Mini. But at the time, I remember we were so optimistic about having, well, A, the M2 Mac Mini starts at, what, $499? And to have the new higher configuration M2 Pro Mac Mini. Like, I remember everybody, including us, being optimistic about it. It's five ninety nine, yeah. Five. It's oh yeah, four ninety nine for education. That's what. It yeah, is. yeah, yeah. But in the month since then, like, has what do you think about the current state of the Mac Mini? I mean, it's like at this point, it's the desktop computer that's got the most updates because it's so far got the M one and the M two, and it will yeah. assumably get M three sometime soon. The Mac Studio skip, um, got M two Ultra, but. We weren't sure about it until very late in the in the in the game, right? The the iMac skipped M2 entirely and went straight to M3. So like, the Mac Mini is almost like their primary desktop at this point. The Mac Pro, you know, got the same chip as the Ultra did. The like the the Mac Studio, no dedicated chip. So like, they're they're going hard on this Mac Mini, and they brought the price down. It's five ninety nine. It's affordable. They're giving it the higher end chip. They finally meant like this was one of the last things that they were still selling Intel models of, right? They were oh, the yeah. higher end Mac Minis before were space gray in color, and they had the high, you know, the Intel chips. When when they introduced the M2 Pro, they replaced, uh, they got, they substituted out. So the Intel is no more than Mac Mini. You have M2 and M2 Pro, so you get higher performance if you want it, or the base performance uh, situation. You did lose the color options, so now they're all just the same silver color. Oh yeah, so there's a space get, gray, wasn't there? Yeah, because the old Intel ones were space gray. Yeah, because they were the, the space gray was done out in like the higher end situation. Because they went space gray in 2018 when Apple was on the whole we care about the Mac chain. You know, oh, that's yeah. when they were doing yep. the, the 2019 Mac Pro and all that one, all that shebang. But obviously, the MT Pro beat you know outstripped the Intel ones that replaced in performance and GP by a mile. But for whatever reason, it doesn't get its special color. So they're all they're all silver. So 2023, there's no more Intel Macs, and that happened this year, right? Was that WWDC with the new Mac Pro where they killed off the last remaining Intel Mac, which was the Mac Pro? And the Mac Pro that... They killed it off um, unenthusiastically, I'd say, because the the Mac Pro replacement was probably one of the biggest disappointments, I guess. (laughs) Like, everyone was so hyped for it. They're like, oh, we're going to see the highest end Apple Silicon uh, in the new Mac Pro to replace the Intel one. And then as as we got closer and closer to, to June, Mark Gurman kept releasing reports. He was like, well, it's not going to be uh, upgradable <laughs> in this way, and it's not going to be upgradable in this way, and the chip they were working on, which was quad um, maxes, well, that's been cancelled as well, so it's um, Max Studio identical, except it's in a fatter chassis for almost no good reason at all. The Mac Studio, what's interesting too is Mark Gurman reported, I think last week, that the Mac Studio and Mac Pro won't get updated to the M3 generation until 
the end of 2024 at the earliest, that's that's a big gap. That's an 18-month gap and gives you that, – that means no high-end M3 desktop max until end of 2024 at the earliest, right? I'm not forgetting anything. Um, I don't think so. So that's surprising. Also at WWDC this year was the 15-inch M2 MacBook Air. And we posted our like 9 to 5 Mac product of the year on Friday. And we chose the 15-inch M2 MacBook Air. I think it was mostly well-deserved. The couple, or more than a couple, some readers pointed out that we shouldn't crown a computer that starts at 8 gigabytes of RAM and 256 gigabytes of storage as the product of the year. I don't really think so that was the point of our decision. If you use that metric, what are you going to pick? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you're going off based on respects, not being perfect and not inducing you know, upgrade options, you can't really pick any of the Macs, really. Like, Unless you want to choose the base Mac Mini, but that doesn't feel substantive enough. Like, The 15-inch M2 MacBook Air is... I think the clear runaway choice like you could maybe pick the iphone if you really wanted to yeah. but like that feels a bit obvious you know like you could probably pick the iphone every year if you really you could make an iphone, the iPhone every year but this year the iphone was fine and i like the iphone and we'll talk about the iphone section more later but the, i feel like transformatively the fifth bringing the air form factor to a slightly bigger screen was something that people have been asking for for so long Mm-hmm. And it lets just by adding two extra inches, it like everyone kept complaining that Apple ties screen size to performance, right? So before, if you wanted the mo- the best bef- the, the the bigger screen, you had to pay extra for performance, um, and they resolved that on the iPhone with the Plus models, and now they brought that to the Mac too this year, and it just seems like the runaway best option. That 15 inch MacBook Air is an incredible machine, and people forget, but at the time, I think we were all expecting it to come in much more expensive than it did. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the pricing on it is so good. Yes, it is 8 gigs and 256 gigabyte base, so I'm not denying that, but even if you spec it up and give it 16 gigs of RAM, it's still not too expensive, given the Apple price, you know, normal price and profit margins. So, like, what... It's really hard for me to, to criticize. Like... I presume you agree with that, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, to spec it up with like 16 gigabytes of RAM and 512 storage, I think that gets us in the ballpark of the price we were expecting it to start at. So the fact yeah, the that we Yeah, the 13-inch MacBook Air used to cost $100 more. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So for them to bring in this good price on the 15-inch, they actually didn't make the 13-inch even cheaper. Like, the pricing's really, really solid. And, and now, you know, in, in hindsight, it's because they wanted to make some room for the... 14 inch m3 macbook pro right that they introduced mm-hmm. in october um but that is like still you know there's a big price jump between the 15 inch air and the 16 inch base macbook pro with m3 uh, and you know different trade-offs or whatever but i think that kind of you know a hundred dollars less than the macbook pro pricing like 14.99 was kind of where a lot of us were expecting the 15 inch air to start at at 250 gigs and 8 gigs of RAM and then out yeah, exactly. from there. So the pricing that you delivered it at is hard for me to uh, squibble, squ- you know, quabble about and, and and disqualify it for that reason. Yes, over time, Apple should get rid of 8 gigabytes. They should get rid of 256 and it should probably be 16 gig, 512 base across the lineup. But I think it's unreasonable to expect that right now. Just look at the trajectory. the the and the And unlike, say, 16 gigabyte iPhones, 
I do think 8 gigabytes and 256 is acceptable as a base spec. And it is true, you can get into situations where you want more RAM, but for a lot of people, I think they would never they would never know the difference. The biggest thing is if you're opening loads and loads and loads of browser tabs, you can quickly, you know, fill up 8 gigs of RAM and you want more. But then you pay a bit extra. Like, the base model, there's been a very rare time when the base model max were... Un, like there wasn't a spec on there where it's like well you should probably bump that up you know like yeah for so long i've said the best mac you could should buy was the 999 m1 macbook air mm -hmm. and that's 999 and yeah it was eight gigs like because because it didn't really matter to people and i think the 15 inch perfectly fills the gap of what people want and as you get great battery life on it and it's got a nice screen you know not as nice as the pros but still very very nice that's why i that's why i support it as product of the year this feels like a good time to make the confession that I've made to you privately about my decision to get rid of the 15-inch MacBook Air for this new 14-inch M3 Max MacBook Pro. I'm worried, or not worried, I'm pretty confident that it was probably the wrong decision for me, with the biggest reason being, like you said, the battery life on the 15-inch MacBook Air is just so, so good. And the battery life on this 14-inch MacBook Pro Again, it's the higher-end M3 Max configuration, but still, nowhere near as good. I'm not even really getting close to Apple's claims at all, and I think it kind of shows on the MacBook Air side of things. I think Apple, on battery life, under-promises and over-delivers, and on the MacBook Pro side of things, I don't think they necessarily over-promise as much as there's a... There's, there are a lot more variables to what you have to do and how you have to use the computer to get the advertised battery life. Realizing how much I miss the 15-inch MacBook Air already, even though it's only been, what, a month and a half with this new 14-inch MacBook Pro, the decision to make it like the 9 to 5 Mac product of the year was pretty, was pretty easy for me. It's just the best choice for so many people. The 13-inch was probably arguably before, but the 15 inch means you can like I, I'm and some people only have 13 inch laptops their entire lives, right? But yeah, I generally think if you're only going to have one computer, you kind of want a 15 inch screen to get everything done because otherwise it feels too cramped. And M2 MacBook Pro is sorry, M2 MacBook Air is right here now, 15 inch, good price, good battery life, good performance, and it has some nice colors in it. Arguably, Midnight is better than the Space Black option, right? Depending yeah. on, on your preference. Uh, and and then you go you walk in a shop you think wow that looks cool and it's it, it feels ticks all the boxes it looks cool it's actually useful it's well priced that's why it's that's why it's the best product of the year choice in I a think... year where where reasonably there weren't any like revolutions right nothing yeah that Apple released this year was so transformative that it it like it rivals on that level um so in a year of like iteration and improvements and you know taking different pieces and repacking them in different shapes, the 15-inch Air kind of stands above everything else. I think the first time I owned a MacBook with a screen bigger than 13 inches would have been, was it 2019 where they did the updated 16-inch MacBook mm -hmm. Pro with like the fancier keyboard and the nicer keyboard that actually worked? Was that 2019? Yep, that was the first 16-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah, that, so that would have been the first time I ever owned a laptop bigger than 13 inches because up until then it was always so expensive or i guess that one still was pretty expensive yeah. but <laughs> yeah it was but now with the 15 inch macbook air like it's a lot easier to get that bigger form factor so yeah if people disagree i'd love to hear their comments but 
come with an argument for what should win instead. <laughs> <laughs> what about the MacBook Pro? We kind of touched on it already, but there are two MacBook Pro updates this year. We had the M2 Pro and M2 Max updates in January, and then, of course, the M3 Pro and M3 Max updates in October. First of all, two updates in the same year, kind of weird, but as we've said before, the, all indications are that January revision was supposed to happen in, like, last October, probably. Yeah, October, November. I don't think two updates in the same year is a bad thing. I mean, it happened all the time with the in, during the Intel era, and I'm all for Apple kind of just updating when the chips are ready. There's no need to hold back. Yeah, you can see the intended schedule, and then obviously it slipped around slightly whatever like i don't think people should feel wrong that there was an update in january and an update in october yeah the only time it gets a bit stupid is if there was like an update in july and then an update in september october then it feels a bit too close yeah. to metal but january to october is still like eight seven months seven eight months it's like you know depending on when you buy the um because in some years they could update them in the october and then update them again in the june so like that time difference is about the same just because they cross over calendar years right but in this instance yeah. same calendar year start of the year and then near the end of the year so i think on time wise it's perfectly acceptable apple shouldn't like because the other option would be to artificially delay the m3 until next year just to help you know just to make people feel happy about there only being two products in one year so then that just that would just be a stupid outcome too so the way they handled it's fine but obviously the M2 generation was meant to come a couple months earlier. In the October revision, the big thing too was the discontinuation of the Touch Bar finally with the new base model M3 MacBook Pro. Still think that's a pretty good machine, even though it suffers from the same 8 gigabytes, 256 gigabytes debate as the MacBook Air. But as we said at the time, you know, you get the nicer screen, you get the nicer design. It seems to fit really well in the lineup and I think it's probably safe to say this is the best MacBook Pro lineup we've had, I don't even know, in a very, very long time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think my my negative takeaway from that MacBook Pro is that the 3 nanometer didn't deliver quite what I was expecting it to leading up to it. Like You always say that, and then we get people who argue with you. I was expecting, maybe my expectations are too high, but I thought there would be a slightly bigger jump going from 5 nanometers to 3 nanometers. Yeah, ha- didn't really happen. It, the update's fine. It was pl- it was faster, right? And th- but if you actually like dig into the cores, the the Max, the M3 Max is the one that's significantly faster on benchmarks on like multi core. But that's because they gave it a load more cores. Like if you actually go down to the raw processor architecture, the three nanometer slash five nanometer cores aren't that different. Like they're no different from like the jump from M1 to M2, for instance. So I've even heard some people speculate that maybe the the M3 generation was meant to be the M2 in the first place, but because of the three nanometer delays, they had to slide in one in between. Like, there's some wild mm, speculation yeah. out there, but uh, it just seems like the three nanometer didn't quite deliver the performance jump you'd expect from a fabrication um, shrink. So that was a tad disappointing. But I mean, it, the, the, like, if you ignore the, if you just pretended like the nanometers weren't advertised and weren't talked about, yeah, you'd say it's perfectly fine. Generation over generation update in terms of speed. The five nanometer, three nanometer had been hyped up so much. Like, I don't, I don't know if there was a world in which Apple ever met the hype that we were, that had been brewing about that transition. Yeah, I probably contributed to that. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, what about on the software side of things? macOS Sonoma. What's your standout feature here? 
uh, I mean, completely honestly, the only thing I could remember was the web apps in the dock, which I do use for TweetDeck, now called XPro and Threads. Uh, and I know you've been able to do that on Chrome and stuff before, but I like Safari, so now you can do it in Safari. And it just, you can choose, you can customize the icon, you can make it rounded corners, it just matches in the dock. It's a nice Apple Im- implementation of web apps in the dock feature, you know, standalone window. It just works. Uh, and the other thing, I guess, with Sonoma is the dynamic, like, backgrounds. So it, like, you have the little oh, videos yeah. and then they, they, you know, as you unlock the Mac, it slowly fades into the static wallpaper. It's a cool effect. I use the, I use that wallpaper. So it dynamically changes every day or so, every half a day to a different, different image basically bringing what they did so well with the apple tv era screensavers and bring it to the mac so i use that but obviously it doesn't make like you know it's just a nice little flummery of design and 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 whimsy doesn't make a huge difference day to day but hey look i get to see a nice pretty picture every single time and on the occasions when i do lock the mac and see the login screen then i also get the video so it's nice but yeah like web apps in the dock are what made me more productive i you'd be pushing me if i tried to remember a feature outside of that for sonoma because it was a relatively minor update i would say the one that came to mind for me was widgets on the desktop yeah i don't use widgets i have mainly use it for things for checking off to-do list in the home and then the home app one too is really good it is clever that you can put iphone widgets on your mac desktop and for some things it seems to work okay but for other things it's not the most reliable like connection between your mac and your iphone Otherwise, though, I think it's hard to think of anything. I'm scrolling through the macOS Sonoma webpage on Apple.com right now. Like screens. Oh, I know a feature. Hmm. What is it? The stupid balloons that happen when That's you. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a, a a TikTok about those the other day. Somebody complained that they were in a meeting at their company where layoffs were being announced. Yeah. And somebody accidentally kept triggering like the balloons or the confetti or something, and it's like, oh, yeah. It's kind of insane that they're on by default in every app. Like, yeah, maybe they should have been a bit more considerate and only enabled them by default in FaceTime, and you could turn them on for everything else if you wanted to. But they they just pop up and happen, and people don't know where they're coming from. Like, <laughs> I've seen some people blame it on a Zoom feature when it's yep, actually just Zoom, the operating system. Zoom seems to be getting a lot of the blame in what I've yeah, seen. Yeah, Apple's kind of hiding under the surface there. And it especially seems like with some apps, it remembers the setting, but for other things, it doesn't. So like if you use Google Meet yeah. through the web, like through Safari on the web, you you can turn off reactions, but then like the next time you open a new window with Google Meet, it turns it back on again. So it's kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I... I don't even think the feature is very good. Like, it's a thing you do once and then you never touch them again. Like, it's just kind of silly. The 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 presenter mode stuff, you know, the non-reactions, like yeah. the thing where you can put yourself in a little webcam window and share your screen and it, like, floats you in, like, a little picture-in-picture. Picture. That's really cool and definitely comes in useful sometimes. Uh, the reaction stuff is like a... It's just It just it seems like a tech demo of, like, wow, look at this. In real time, we can separate you from the background and put some thumbs up and, and balloons and confetti all over the shop, but... Does anybody really do that? No. And unlike the iMessage effects, because obviously all those effects come from the iMessage balloon stuff, mm-hmm. the balloons aren't, like, by default. Like, you know, you don't yeah. send confetti or you don't send balloons by accident. You have to do it on purpose. Um, I guess the exception to that is when you send, like, happy birthday, it doesn't by default, but that's, like, contextually sensible and makes sense. And it only happens in the iMessage app, so it's, like, clearly a messages feature. It doesn't just happen every time you type happy birthday into any app on the phone, you know? Like... The, the reactions video stuff is quite invasive. Scrolling further down this webpage, yeah. Mac OS Sonoma 
pretty small year for the most part. I do think there are some things that we maybe haven't reaped the benefits of yet, like game mode in particular. But otherwise, not a whole lot to discuss here. But for the Mac, like looking back on the entire year, I'd say a good year. And with the exception of the 15-inch MacBook Air, it was kind of just like a year-over-year iterative TikTok. Yeah. 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 Nothing to complain about, though. Yeah, the first generations of Apple Silicon are still so fresh that Apple can coast a bit, right? Just deliver new chip generation, 10 to 15, 20% performance and be perfectly fine. And everyone seems very happy with the design of the MacBook Pro at the moment, the design of the MacBook Air. They, the Mac Pro was a bit of a letdown, let's be yeah, fair. Yeah, that is true. Right? Yeah. They, I still think they should not do that and actually do a separate chip for it. And maybe they will and try again with an M3 or an M4 generation uh, yeah, and I guess they did out, They did rev the iMac. We've got to mention that. They gave the M3 to the iMac too. So they updated it from fledgling M1 only to the latest chips. So they didn't change anything else about it. It's a bit stupid. They didn't make the lightning. They didn't get rid of the lightning port on the keyboard and mouse, which oh, is really yeah. stupid. That's really stupid. Uh, yeah. That's... But overall, look, Apple's always going to do some dumb stuff. But at a high level, thumbs up. And that 15-inch MacBook Air deserves its title as product of the year. 95 Mac official. 9 to 5 Mac official. We'll be on the next word cloud slide at WWDC. <laughs> Definitely. We are sponsored this week by Pillow. Pillow is the best sleep tracking app for your Apple Watch, iPhone, or iPad to help you uncover the scientifically proven benefits of good sleep. Go to pillow.app and use promo code HAPPYHOUR23 to get 30% off an annual subscription to Pillow Premium. Sleep better with Pillow, your smart sleep assistant. Pillow analyzes your sleep cycles automatically using your Apple Watch. Or if you don't have a watch, you can place your iPhone or iPad on the mattress near your pillow. Pillow will automatically detect and analyze your sleep patterns. And you can review last night's sleep report right on your watch with heart rate analysis and more. Pillow uses an advanced sleep cycle analysis algorithm based on the latest scientific findings in sleep research. You can view detailed heart rate graphs and a sleep stage diagram that shows how you transition from being awake to REM, light sleep, and deep sleep stages. And Pillow integrates with the Apple Health app to update your sleep metrics in the health database too. You can even use Pillow as a smart alarm clock that aims to wake you up at a time when you're in the lightest possible sleep stage so you can start your day fresh and relaxed. Record noises of the night so you can hear things like snoring, sleep apnea, and sleep talking. Simply put, Pillow is the best sleep tracker for your Apple Watch, iPhone, and iPad. And exclusive for Happy Hour listeners, you can use offer code HAPPYHOUR23 to get 30% off an annual subscription of Pillow Premium. That's offer code HAPPYHOUR23. Find out more at Pillow.app. That's Pillow.app. Pillow, sleeping better, made simple. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. All right, let's do the iPhone next. So we'll start with the iPhone 15, iPhone 15 Plus. Big things here, of course, was USB-C. The Dynamic Island came to the non-pro phones. And the 48-megapixel main camera from that came to the 14 Pro last year is now on the 15 and the 15 Plus. Kind of just ticked all the boxes of what we were expecting and what helped close the gap and give the Pro models a little bit more room on the top end, I think. Yeah, I don't think they had to bring the 48-megapixel camera sensor one year later, but they did, so that was nice. And they actually take better advantage of now than they did when they launched it in the yeah. 14 series because you can, you know, it shoots in 24 megapixel by default. So it blends the two images together, you know, light capture and detail. And you can also choose to shoot 48 megapixel 
Heath files, right, out of the box. You couldn't do that before. What do you think about the USB-C situation? Are you using, because obviously you have a 15 private, mm -hmm. you know, the 15 um, base and plus have it too. Are you actually using the USB-C port for anything that you weren't using Lightning for? Like, is it actually benefiting your life or are you just charging in a different plug? It's benefited life with both an iPad and an iPhone. Next to the couch, I would have a Lightning cable and a USB-C cable at all times. One for the phone, one for my iPad or my Mac, depending on what I was using. And now it's kind of nice just having one cable there, and that one cable can either charge my phone, my Mac, my iPad, Nintendo Switch, the Apple TV remote. I think I wasn't, I think going into the iPhone 15 lineup, I had underestimated how many times I charged using a cable. Mostly I use MagSafe like overnight and at my desk, but there's actually a surprising amount of instances where I'm plugging in. And that's a lot more convenient with USB-C. Do you use any of like the data capabilities of the port or not? Not at all. I don't. I don't know if I've ever plugged my iPhone into a computer. It's <laughs> it's really just like, and the fast charging too. Like it charges fast. It gets even after like the supposed overheating fixes. Like I think you could cook an egg on the back of the iPhone 15 Pro <laughs> while it charges. It gets hot. I do wonder if that's one of the reasons why they haven't done a MagSafe battery pack this year because it's just like cooking on that thing. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I'm ha I'll take the trade off as long as it doesn't burn my house down. Like if it if it can charge zero to fifty percent super quick and just get hot for fifteen minutes, that's fine. But one more thing on the fifteens, I do like the colors they chose. I know they got criticized for being super super pale, but I think they're cool. It, the what did they do the color infused like glass around mm. the camera is that what they around did? the camera yeah that looks really cool yeah. and the backs are that same matte, matte material as the pro models mm -hmm. i have i don't think we've talked about it at all but i have a 15 and a 15 plus that apple sent the 15 plus is a really really good phone with the i mean it, what does it start at like 899 i think yep it's it's the same argument as the 15 inch macbook air a way to get the biggest iPhone screen possible without spending $1,100 on the iPhone 15 Pro Max. I think for a lot of people, it's the default iPhone recommendation, but the differences between the 15 Plus and the 15 Pro Max are bigger than they were for at least me just because of that camera. The 5X camera on the 15 Pro Max is so good, and I basically can't use an iPhone without it at this point. So we are a couple months down. The 5X Zoom isn't a gimmick for you. you. It's like legit. It's legit. I mean, we talked a little bit about like the couple times I went to concerts with it. And going back even today and looking at those videos and pictures, I'm still super impressed with, uh, with the outcome. Even, even just pictures of the dogs. Or I sent you, there was a bank robbery like down the street from my office a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I used the 5X camera. I just tapped it and zoomed, got right up to the window. And I showed, I sent you a picture of like where the car had like driven through the front of the bank. Like it's just gives you that extra versatility. It's fun. It's a fun, it's more, I'm using it so much more than I was ever using the 3X camera. Yeah. That, that speaks volumes, I guess. That's a, that's a, that's compelling. What about the 15 Pro design a couple of months down, like the titanium? I mean, I keep singing the saying singing the praises, but it's also fantastic. I think the titanium edges, the titanium design, has like solved the problems of this iPhone design 
generation that we first got with the iPhone 12. It's so much lighter. The rails around the edges on the stainless steel iPhones, they would get fingerprinty and scratched super easy. And I'm looking at my 15 Pro Max now, and it looks just as good as it did on day one. The titanium has held up surprisingly well. Yeah, I think they, I think it's nice. I've seen a blue 15 Pro and a black, what do they call it? <laughs> uh, uh, black titanium. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 15 Pro, and the, the colors are... They are nice, and the the texture on the on the brushed like um, it's so on good. The sides. Yeah, yeah, it is. It does feel super premium and super nice. Uh, so I think I think they did a good job there. Even if like from afar, it basically looks the same. Like you know, if you hold them at a distance, I think most people won't be able to tell. Like yeah, but if you if you if you put it in your hand, you can feel the difference. They did a good. They did good with it. The fine woven debacle. What do you think? I mean, the dust has kind of settled down around that. Apple didn't do anything. I don't know how many people are buying fine woven cases, but that's still kind of like a sore spot for this year's iPhone launch, I think. It's definitely not a good... It's definitely a negative, you know, a check in the negative column. People, I guess, got around it by just buying other cases, but I would be really disappointed if they just bring out the exact same range this time next next year. year. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going caseless for the most part, except when I'm traveling. And when I travel, I've been using a Nomad leather case. I think Apple's got to do something next year, if only because the prob. I would assume rates on the fine woven stuff are very, very high, but definitely a dark spot. The problem with the fine woven is that they priced it the same as the leather. That is so true. People expecting yeah. quality on par with leather if they'd have in, if they'd have got rid of leather and introduced the fine woven cases at the same price as the silicone cases i think it would have been received a bit differently right the optics were like this is our leather replacement even though apple never specifically said that that was clearly what they were going for and they took the price profit premium on it too oh, yeah. and it just didn't fill up it just didn't live up to the premium quality that you got from the, the leather cases and i think apple probably wants to deliver cases that are of premium quality so either they misguidedly thought that fine woven was good enough or they realized it wasn't but they just kind of wrong with it anyway i don't think there's any issue with getting rid of leather but you need to have either have no replacement or have a replacement that's like good like you can <laughs> yeah. get, the other problem with fine woven is that it kind of is like hiding away from the fabricy feel where you know the google pixel has some cases and stuff where they just mm-hmm. go all out his fabric right they're like this is a fabric case and it embraces the fabric nature of it and it's like well okay that's interesting the fine woven approach was like a halfway point between like pure fake leather and something else and it kind of didn't really hit either of the ba- the baskets perfectly if you know what i mean thinking of the iphone 15 pro max in particular like big picture i heard Stephen Hackett talking about this, he wrote a review a couple weeks ago. Looking at where it fits in like the history of iPhone models in terms of like how good it is, for me, I think it's definitely like top three iPhone models of all time, probably. I think it rights all of the wrongs of this design generation. The 5X camera is just my favorite new iPhone feature in a very long time. USB-C is great. I know you don't have an iPhone 15, but are you? How do you rank it? What do you? Are you regretting not upgrading at all? 
I don't regret not upgrading because I just don't. They could, they could make a phone that did backflips across the table and buy it <laughs> one year later, right? Like, but you know, you're making your bed when you jump in. Uh, yeah. So I guess if anything, I I was regretting maybe not waiting another year out on the four. You know, going from the eleven to the fourteen, but the eleven was kind of dying at that point. The eleven Pro, so I think I upgraded all right. But yeah, this is a good generation. And you said it's probably top three. So what's that like? iPhone ten, iPhone four, iPhone fifteen Pro. Is that kind of? I that's think so. Where I, I like it, yeah. I, I would toss the iPhone six or at least six S somewhere in there, just because of the mm. plus size. But definitely top yeah, three, top four. generation. But the the six. This is a massive tangent, but the six never <laughs> felt like super premium. I don't think. Like, well, yeah, they bent. They just delivered a big screen. Like the four had like this. Inc- the four and the five series, you know, like the five S was like yeah. ultra premium, and they like went all in on the gold, and it like had the chamfered edges, and it was like really slick and cool. And then the six was like, well. It's just a bit of aluminium with some glass on the other side. And yeah, the screen's bigger and the antenna bands are just going to wrap them across like, you know, packing tape, masking tape on the yeah. along the backs. Like it never quite had the same like finesse, I don't think, as some of the other models. So that's why I kind of rank it lower. But obviously it was like the biggest sales by a mile because the screen's got bigger. Um, but yeah, 15 Pro, definitely up there. Definitely up there. Um, f- and that's impressive for a generation that isn't like, Again, it's not like a huge jump, right? Like it's not like the iPhone 10 jump. It's like in between. It's right. like the first, yeah. it's probably the best jump that isn't a leapfrog year, if that makes sense. iOS 17. Decent decent update this year. I think for me, one of the standout features is live voicemail. I think that's like a weird feature to pick. But in a world where you get so many phone calls that you don't want, or you don't know if you have to answer. You're going to make me sad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Live voicemail saves the day. Mm, I'd pro- I'd love that feature if it existed. Yep. Still US only. What about you? You still... Well, your thing was the autocorrect. You sing the praises of autocorrect. Yeah, I think it does make a difference. I do think it's better. And they addressed my one complaint about not being able to disable inline text predictions and... What was it? What was my complaint? I don't even remember now. The inline predictions, because you couldn't change the set. Like, if you turned off predictive, it would turn off the bar as well as the inline predictions. That's right, predictions. yeah. So now they've separated out the toggles, so you can still have the bar with the three options. That's right, the, yeah. like, autocomplete in the text box, you can turn off separately. Because my annoyance with the text prediction stuff was kind of souring me on the whole autocorrect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now that I can separate those, that's... That's very nice. Yeah, because the, the the newer algorithm is definitely smarter and more intelligent, so you don't have to correct it as much. But even when you do have to correct it, they've just made it easier to fix because like it underlines with the blue, and you can just tap one button and undo. Like they, it's a UI and like AI improvement on both on both ends of the spectrum. So it's a subtle thing, maybe people don't notice, but I de- I definitely think it's better. Uh, they're like flagship features this year were like the the contact posters and name drop kind of stuff right that was a big deal from at the apple marketing perspective i've set up my contact poster my family were like oh that's cool and then when they rang me <laughs> you know, they saw a picture of my face in a cool font uh i don't really see when i call other people i don't really see many other people actually having them so no. i don't know if apple has done a good enough job like educating people that they need to make these things uh so i don't think it's really like caught on as a thing but I set mine. I was like, hey, that's neat. And other people seem to like it when it does show up. It was uh, a big day drop. for me because you changed from the cartoon picture. I remember where I was when Benjamin Mayo set up his contact poster. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time coming. Well, maybe 2024, that 
uh, profile picture will proliferate to the public social profiles as well. That'd be that's true. It has it, yeah, yeah. And maybe first of January is maybe what I was thinking. Um, yeah, uh, huge news. <laughs> I know that's what everybody cares about. Uh, the the name drop thing is ultra cool. Like the animation is slick, but I've never used it practically. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have either. I tried to do the. I've tried to do like the tap the airdrop, you know, part of it. You could tap two iPhones together to transfer yep. like, a picture. Haven't really hasn't worked consistently enough to be useful. Remember the name drop thing too? I don't think we talked about it, but there's the whole scandal, unfounded scandal, where like police departments were warning people that it would let you let somebody tap their iPhone on your iPhone to take your contact information. Mm-hmm. So not only maybe has Apple not educated people enough on contact posters. But also, I don't think Name Drop has gotten the good publicity that Apple wanted. Yeah, because you always have to press accept even if you do tap the phones. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah, when it does work, the animation is sweet. So that's, that kind of makes up for it. <laughs> uh, standby was there another big thing that they pushed with iOS 17. That's the thing when you can dock the phone in landscape at night and it will come to like this separate dashboard with like mini widgets and a big clock face. I like the idea of this feature but i still haven't got around to like getting a horizontal dock for my mm. nine stand so i haven't actually really used it day to day but it's a cool idea i kind of my takeaway on standby is i just kind of want them to just do a home pod with a screen and just have that there on the nightstand and not have to like use the phone i see but then you're adding a whole nother thing to like your nightstand or your desk it's nice yeah but it's always just sits there like it's it's permanent yeah. in place it can you know you don't have to worry about charging it it's always plugged in like I, I think I prefer that way around. But obviously they don't make that product yet. I think I talked about when iOS 17 came out that I couldn't find a good horizontal iPhone dock because they were all like out of stock. And since then, I did track down the 12 South. What is it called? The th- it's the High Rise 3 Deluxe. So it has a Qi charging pa- pad for your AirPods or something else, an Apple Watch dock, and a horizontal MagSafe puck for your iphone and it's i definitely use standby mode more now that i have that so that's a standby mode is one of those things where once you get it set up properly it's great but there's some overhead to getting to that point you know Mm -hmm. what else do we have interactive widgets i think i'm using interactive widgets more on my mac than i am on my iphone what about you? I know you've talked about the home widgets on the iPhone yeah, in particular. Yeah, that's still what I use. Yeah, I got a stack of home widgets, lights for each of the rooms that I care about. Just slide between them and then tap on them and the lights turn on and off. That's on my second page. Not my main home screen, but the second home screen. It's basically just like shortcut buttons. I think if I had, if you could customize control center to just choose what buttons go in the yeah. home section of control center, that would be my pre- number one preferred route to do that. But they haven't let you do that. It's still just the, like the intelligent suggestions where everything <laughs> just moves around in an order. Generally, the buttons on that screen are what I want to change, but they always change order. So you'd never get the muscle memory right. So the interactive widgets are a good substitute there. Uh, I also have a, one of those music widgets. You know, it just shows you like uh, your current what's what's playing and then some, you know, your, your like queue of like recommendations or whatever. That's on one of my like second or third home pages. I use that sometimes. I think other people use interactive widgets more than I do. I'm glad they added it, but it hasn't like changed my life. I feel like there's been a couple of disappointments in the iOS 17 cycle, namely the journal app that we talked about last week, 
yep. and the implementation of the stickers for tap back yeah. and messages. Not, I don't think they, they lived up to the expectations of what people were hoping for. No, the tap back thing, it was written on the features page in such a way that it sounded brilliant. It sounded like exactly what yep. everybody wanted. And But what they shipped, if you go back and read, does technically match what they wrote. It's just not what anybody considered yeah. when, when, it, when it was described. Um, and yeah, the journal app, I don't really care about journaling, so it's never been a huge factor for me, but that app needs more love uh, to be useful. I like a couple of the new music features, one of which is the share play via CarPlay. I think that's a cool feature. I am about to go on a thousand mile road trip, so I'm sure me and my wife will probably take advantage of this to at least some degree. And my beloved collaborative Apple Music playlist feature, still not technically out, but it's in iOS 17.3 and it's very good, very well done. And there's one oh, crossfade, finally. Oh yeah, I, crossfade. <laughs> I forgot that that was an iOS 17 feature, but it is and it's fantastic. Maybe by iOS 18, the Apple Music team can copy and paste their tapback code over to the menu. That's true, yeah. <laughs> all in all, though, iOS 17, I'm pleased. Yep. Any, iOS 18 is looking like, as Bloomberg has said, looking like a ambitious and compelling update. So we'll see if it ends up being bigger than iOS 18 or than iOS 17. But I'm happy with iOS 17. Yeah, for the iOS 18 rumor cycle, we haven't quite got yet to the stage where we know 100% which features are shipping in that year. It's just, here's all the stuff that Apple's trying to ship, and we're still waiting for like the early spring. Well, this stuff's been cut back, this has been removed, but they're doing this, this, and this. So, obviously they want to be pushing on the AI, generative AI side. I do think that's going to be in some places, it's just a question of, is it just in Siri? Is it on yeah. apps? Is it all over the shop? Like we, that's and to be honest, Apple probably doesn't know for sure yet. That's what they figure out in the first couple of months of 2024. Settle in. We have a lot to talk about with the iPad. We had a whole lot of new hardware, big redesigns, crazy stuff on the iPad, right? <laughs> Absolutely zero. <laughs> no new iPad hardware whatsoever, which is unprecedented. Like that's never happened, and since the iPad came out. They've always had an update to some iPad. First year, nothing at all. 2024 is looking like a better year with basically every iPad getting an update. I think first half of the year, Mark Gurman has said new OLED iPad Pro, new iPad Air lineup. Then further in the year, an updated version of the base model iPad and an updated Mac updated ipad mini anything else yeah and and the base the base ipad will see the end of the final final lightning product the ninth That's generation right. ipad yeah so i think again the rumors are less clear here but maybe apple was intending to ship ipad updates this year and they got delayed uh or something because it does seem a bit weird they haven't updated a single ipad this year uh but it's they're going to catch up in 24 Maybe maybe very quickly in 24. Like some of the iPad updates are maybe yeah. coming like you know February March time. So uh, they'll they'll catch up. And the iPad Pro is ex- going to get OLED screens, which is exciting. The iPad Air is getting that new 12.9 inch size. So again, you might have the 15 inch MacBook Air effect because I think a lot of people like big screens. They just didn't want to pay shell out a thousand dollars plus for the 12.9 yep. inch iPad Pro. So you're getting that like, the best of both best of both worlds there. Hopefully with the iPad Air, and then a nice little iPad Mini spec bump and whatever the 10th gen ipad gives so yeah it's looking bright for 2024 for the ipad but 
you could you can't really get worse than nothing at all <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> doesn't sound like my ipad mini will be getting the fancy ipad mini pro refresh that i want but no i don't think that's ever going to happen software side of things ipad os 17 a lot of the same as ios 17 but a couple of of cooler things for stage manager in particular they kind of just addressed the biggest complaints about the first implementation of stage manager one of which being you can now freely place windows like ipad os doesn't try to butt in and tell you where each window should be placed you can also shift click on an app icon to open a window for that app in your current stage so the default behavior is you click on an app icon and it opens in a new stage shift click now opens that icon in the same stage and this works via the dock via the home screen via spotlight stage manager we've had this in our like evergreen document mayo of things to talk about stage manager in ipad os 17 is the closest i've ever come to being to being able to do like 95 percent of everything i do on a daily basis via an ipad but it's still not quite there it's still an ipad it's still an ipad they made progress it's good progress to see and some of the early critique of stage manager last year was kind of brutal but so far, the response this year seems to be a lot better. And it's good that they listened to that feedback and kind of addressed point by point what a lot of people were looking for. A year-over-year improvement is definitely welcome because you can yes. easily see this as a thing where it didn't change for two years or three years and they were just done with it and they moved on to something else. So they definitely were responsive to feedback and the end result is pretty good. But yeah, it's still an iPad at the end of the day. So you're getting closer to being able to be feel super productive on it, but you're is still full short of a Mac for me. Do you use Stage Manager on the Mac at all? No. No, me neither. I've tried and I've tried and I just can't get it to work. Expose is just so useful. Like Mission Control is yeah. super powerful. You just, you know, swipe up four fingers, all the windows split around, you can yep. make spaces of desktops. Like there's so much capability and like organizational power you have there with very little to learn. Stage Manager overlays a lot of like mental weight to something and maybe if you're somebody who doesn't like manage your spaces or your windows yourself like the automatic nature of stage manager helps you but let me put it this way i think it's quite telling that it's very much an opt-in feature and it's not on by default yeah and you have to like go into control center and click into stage manager like the fact that it's like a secondary mode shows that it's not really like the default experience of people so you don't currently have an ipad You've mentioned that you're thinking about getting maybe that new big screen iPad Air. Yep. Or still... the iPad Pro OLED, depending on oh. how I swing. High roller. OLED screens are pretty. The thing's going to be so expensive, though. That is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> if, if you got a new iPad, would you get a Magic Keyboard and deck it out, or would you just no. use it as an iPad? I'd just use it as an iPad. Yeah. I, know, I tried before. Didn't work. So I'd use it for what it's good at, video, content, you know, sitting on the sofa with it while I'm watching TV, you know, browsing Twitter, maybe doing some blog posts on it using the on-screen keyboard. You're going to write a blog post using the on-screen keyboard? Yep. Really? Uh-huh. I've written 95 map posts before using the on-screen keyboard. Like on your iPhone? No, on the iPad. Oh. Yeah. 
I I embraced that. Hmm. I didn't I didn't have any of this nonsense with keyboards and physical <laughs> extensions. I, my always point was, if you're going to get a keyboard case, just get just use the Mac, right? And I've always had a yeah. Mac. So that's always what I've done. But when I like this started way back when, like 2011, I had the iPad 2. I used that in school um, for mm-hmm. like you know doing notes and classes, and there was no like I guess third parties make keyboard case or whatever, but it was still like quite a new idea. So I just like I said, screw that. I used the like the Apple, um, you know, smart cover, propped it up, type away on glass. You can get pretty fast at it. You know, it's not as good as typing on a MacBook keyboard, but you can if you just want to write some Bob posts and stuff, you can get it done. And you don't have to carry a, a keyboard case around because it makes <laughs> it huge. Like the smart cover, kind of you know, super thin light cases. They're just a lot more appealing. But yeah, if I was getting an iPad next year, it would basically just live in the house as like the you know bed computer living room computer that kind of yeah thing. mostly consumption device but yeah i type on it sometimes if i if the if the moment occurs all right the apple watch this was this was your purchase of the year let's go what three yep, I three two, months two in. apple things this year one of them is the apple watch the what other was the one other one second we'll get to it in oh. a second okay three months in series nine are you happy still oh i'm happy it's hard not to be happy upgrading from a Series 4, right? Like yeah. Five years. Maybe you would hope that it was even more of an improvement of a step change, if an update you know, on a five-year timeline. But I'm happy with it. It's faster. It's nice. It feels good. I do use Double Tap. I know everyone like likes to joke on it. I use it <laughs> sometimes, a few times a week. So, there. Like, I'm not saying if Double Tap wasn't there, would the Apple <laughs> be stupid? No, it wouldn't be. But it's there. And sometimes you've got something in your other hand, you just want to like answer a message. So you just tap your fingers together. It does work. I, I do use it. But at the end of the day, the Apple Watch is still an Apple Watch. And I basically use it the same as my Series 4, except now the screen stays on and the battery doesn't run out. So you can take that what you will. I don't think I'm on much of a rush to upgrade the Apple Watch again. On you know, I'd hopefully be able to last this out three to five years. Yeah. But I'm happy with the Series 9 as, as is. What else was new with the Series 9? You, had well, double you get the on-device Siri thing. Oh, right? yeah, that's huge. Which does help, because you don't see the spinning, you don't see the endless spinning anymore if you ask it to set a timer. The old, my old watch, I'd ask it to set like a five-minute timer, and then, you know, a quarter of the time, you just see, I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it. Nearly there. Oh, I failed. Never happens on the Series 9. You ask it to set a timer, instantly the timer's set. Really valuable. And I ask, I, you know, what do I ask my watch, Siri? Timers, weather, and sometimes home kit control. And for all those three categories, it, it, it does it on device, and it works great. Apple Watch Ultra 2, kind of the same thing. Just double tap, some battery life upgrades. That's yeah. about it? I mean, it does have the new chip, which is slightly faster, right? That's another thing. Like... Everyone, including us, had made such a big deal about the Apple Watch's chip not being upgraded since yeah. what, the, the S6 or whatever. And then it was upgraded and we were all just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I mean, I kind of expected that though because like, you kind of want it to be upgraded just so that in five years' time or three years' time, it doesn't feel That's sluggish. True. You know, like it's more of a future-proofing thing. It's like, they can't just ship the same chip. They can't just ship the same chip year <laughs> after year after year after year. Uh, so they, they bumped it. And I think you can, you know, if you squint hard enough, you can see it's faster. But overall, it's about it's the same Apple Watch you know and love. Watch OS ten. Big thing here is the re. 
I don't know, the revamp of the widget system and the ha- changing how you get to Control Center. I don't use watchOS 10 widgets hardly at all. You mean like the smart stack thing? Yeah. Yeah, I don't use it either. I get what they were going for. Yeah, they, I get they it. Under, they recognize that people mostly use like pretty faces, i.e. ones that don't have lots of complication holes, like the photos face or just like a straight analog clock. And they're trying to infuse a bit of smarts and computer intelligence and regardless of which watch face you choose. So you can have a pretty face and then you can swipe up and you can see widgets. I just haven't learned a muscle memory or a, or a felt compelled to swipe up at any time. So I just carry on doing my old strategy of having two watch faces. One is a modular face with loads of complications on it, complications on it and the other is just a pretty analog face. And I switch between the two using the edge swipe gesture that they got rid of 17.0 or so watch was 10.0, but they brought back they brought back in 10.2. Uh, the apps redesign... Like that was the other part of WatchOS 10, right? They changed some of the oh, OS yeah. layout, but they also redesigned load of the apps. I'm still not 100% sold on it. Like, I feel like they made some changes for, like, no good reason. Like, the time, like, in, in the old WatchOS, the time was always in the exact same spot at the top right of the screen when you're inside an application. Yeah. Now it's like, well, sometimes it's in the middle, sometimes it's on the left, sometimes it's not there at all. Like, we'll make it animate around and jump about a bit. The titles might not be in the same places. But, oh, we got this really full-color bleed background for no good reason on the timer app or the stopwatch app. And it's, I don't know. I kind of prefer the old aesthetic, but I've got used to it. And it definitely feels... Like, on on my old watch with the smaller screen, it felt like punishing. On the Series 9 with the bigger screen and the better performance, it feels fine. But, I don't know. I kind of liked the the ethos of previous generations but i've got used to it but not my favorite there are some other smaller things in watch os 10 that i'm sure people who use them really like like the the cycling features where it displays your cycling like your speed your distance and all of that from your apple watch on your iphone that's a if i if i rode bikes i would love that feature yep it looks very cool some new hiking features not a whole lot else. The new mental health stuff is cool. The new couple of new watch faces, the palette watch faces, really pretty, but not very practical. Anything else in watchOS 10 you think is even worth mentioning? The Snoopy face is cute, but I don't use yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just, I like it. I still use, but I basically still use the watch in the same way I used to. So yeah. it's not like changed how I use the watch. Looking ahead to the Apple Watch next year. Still seems a little unknown if we're yep. going to get that so-called Apple Watch X change that's been rumored. But if not next year, then the year after that. Yeah, Gerdon did... mentioned it in his newsletter on December 17th. Mm-hmm. But he did leave it quite ambiguous as to whether he was saying, like, the redesigned watch is coming next year or just in development, right? Like, So yeah. still a bit of an open question. So that's the those are the high level product categories for the year. But there was a bunch of other smaller things starting. This was also in February, wasn't it? The HomePod second generation. Yep, and this is the other thing I bought. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Two of them in fact. Yeah, I have two of them as well. They're very good. I know they have the audio hardware inside is a little worse than the first generation HomePod. I don't notice that at all. I don't know about you. I think it's comparable to the original, which is what I said when we got them. Sounds about the same as the 2018 model. I'm just happy they're making HomePods again. Yep. 
I would say Sonos have definitely caught up and maybe surpassed on speakers of the same size, as in Apple hasn't done anything in five years, so Sonos has beat them, right? <laughs> it took them a few years, yeah. but they finally beat in the, the performance of the 2018 HomePod and the 2023 HomePod basically recreates the 2018 HomePod in every regard. So if you're looking for raw features and performance, maybe the Sonos is a better choice these days, but I like the Apple experience. The HomePod integrates with the Apple TV. That makes it pretty good for me. I have my mm-hmm. TV in my living room. I have the Apple TV driving the interface for it, and I use two HomePods side by side in yep. the theater mode, you know, the home cinema feature stereo paired to the Apple TV. Works really well. And when you're not using the TV, you can just use them as series speakers or just play music on them. So that flexibility and that combination, I find it hard to beat. And I'm so happy they are for HomePods again. Because before I bought these ones, I was using my original 2018 HomePods. And although they, they had miraculously not died on me, every day I was like, <laughs> this is risky and I don't know what I'm going to do if they actually do die. But... Apple at the last moment came in and basically brought back the exact same things. So I immediately bought two of them and I love them. They're great. I wish they would make now, you know, get embark on making a third generation HomePod that's actually improved compared to the 2018 model. Uh, But we can't get everything at once. I'm just glad that they they make it again. And the, the feature update they did this year across all platforms where you don't have to say hey now when you talk to Siri is like... It's it's under it's undervalued how much nicer it is to be able to just use one word instead of two to ask something simple like turn the lights on or off. You say a HomePod third generation, but what I struggle to really think of what sound quality. The sound quality now is good though, and they're just good. It if is they... good, but I think the Sony sound quality now has surpassed it on the same kind of class of device. Like the the HomePod 2018 sounded so good for its size. Like yeah. it, was, it was miles ahead and it's taken them five years and they brought back the exact same sound quality. So there are enhancements they can make over a five-year time frame, I'm sure. And maybe at some point we'll see those come to light. Maybe they have an expansion of the range where you can have like a... Because some of the, the one of the bonuses you can get with Sonos, you can get your two speakers left and right and you can get like a wireless subwoofer that can go somewhere uh, else in the room. Yeah. Right? So expansions in that regard. You could maybe have an even bigger HomePod that can offer more sound because it's bigger, right? Like, there's there's stuff they can do. But I'm just glad that they reverted their decision not to make it anymore. The AirPods lineup, what did we get here? We got a bunch of new software features, most of yep. which I've found to be really good. There's adaptive noise control, personalized volume, conversation awareness, Conversation awareness, I, for the most part, I've come to really like, especially on a plane. I found it to be really useful where it lowers the volume when it hears somebody talking to you or you start talking to somebody else. I think the thing about AirPods is the pace at which Apple's rolled out new features has been really impressive. And these features are on the AirPods Pro second generation, which were first introduced over a year ago at this point. So I really don't think, with the exception of the AirPods Max, I really don't have that many complaints about the AirPods Pro or really the AirPods lineup in general. Well, and you're forgetting the incredible AirPods Pro second generation USB-C edition. That is true. (laughs) And you can now buy that USB-C case separately. You can buy the USB-C case separately. You've got improved dust resistance and you'll have that lossless audio feature with low latency with with Vision Pro whenever that comes out. 
the AirPods non-pros are where Apple should turn their focus next because all those features you just mentioned for AirPods Pro aren't available on AirPods third generation. Oh, yeah. Right? But it's looking good because there's apparently going to be a huge upgrade to the AirPods yeah. non-pros in 2024 with two models. One model will have noise cancellation, one model won't. And you can see all those same features that came to AirPods Pro will make their way to AirPods third generation next year, as well as getting USB-C for charging. I do think it's a bit stupid they couldn't have come out with a USB-C case for AirPods across the board, only on the AirPods Pro this year. That's dumb. And we can now shout out the incredible AirPods Max mm. that hasn't been touched and yeah. might only get a USB-C port next year because the EU's forced them to and they might not even have any other features or any other improvements. New colors. New, new colors. Don't forget the new colors. That's been rumored. The new colors are the same colors. They've just faded in the light of for how long they've been yeah. in storage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The AirPods Max story is sad. I mean, it's beating a dead horse at this point, but the fact that AirPods Pro 2 and presumably next year AirPods non-Pro have all of these great features and AirPods yeah. Max have none of them. We're not asking for anything wild. Just give all the same features on AirPods Pro to yep. the AirPods Max. It feels obvious, but then Gurman yeah. came out and said that's not going to happen. So now we're all sad again. <laughs> uh, Apple Pencil, another very bizarre year. The the revolutionary USB-C Apple Pencil. That's... I don't even exists. know how to explain it at this point. Yep, it exists. It's stupid. There's three pencils. Probably next year that will get resolved because the ninth gen Lightning iPad will be discontinued. So that will remove the, the Lightning one. And then there'll just be two pencils, a low end and a high end. So at least the lineup will be clarified in 24. Anything else hardware-wise or you want to jump to Well, surfaces? you want to mention the Vision Pro? because Oh, we should talk about Vision Pro. Yeah. Yep. You got to try it. I got that to was, try come it. Come on, that's a big highlight of 23. <laughs> Let's be real. That is a very big highlight of 2023. We did that super in-depth episode right after I got to try it. And since then, I think I've talked about my enthusiasm has kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit just because i haven't gotten to try it again and i you know you kind of get in your head and you're like well was it really that great yeah <laughs> and you start to think was it so good that i'm gonna drop 3500 dollars on it in just a couple months and your mind starts to mess with you a little bit i will say a couple weeks ago apple let another round of press of press people not us try vision pro again this time to watch some of their own spatial photos or spatial videos and view like panoramas that they'd taken. The write-ups that people published based on that experience were really, like everybody seemed really moved by it. I struggle, it's it's a hard, that specific feature, spatial video is a really hard sell yeah. to get somebody to buy a version one product but years down the line, like that's going to be, I think that's going to be the standout Vision Pro feature. Yeah, once, because some people did say they the videos are a bit grainy or a bit lower yeah. resolution. And that's because they are shot at 1080p. That's one of the reasons. So, you know, in a few years, you can see once they can do it in 4K at full res. Uh, well, not even like, the technical aspect of it, though, just like once people have a bigger catalog of spatial video yep, that's, to watch. That's, that's the point as well. Yep. And maybe people, maybe we'll get to a, to a stage where by default the iphone just also takes spatial video you don't have to switch to like the special mode you don't yeah. have to sacrifice the video quality like you can just take a video in 4k 
and the iPhone will also take a spatial version of it. Yeah. But that's years down the line. The Vision Pro for me is really cool. I'd really love to try one. But I do think it hasn't changed the calculus on the AR VR headset industry. Like what Apple was doing, what, what Meta's been doing with like the Quest line, the Vision Pro is just like if you just take that chart and just extend it out to the higher price model. If you see what I mean? Like I don't think they really yeah. brought anything too revolutionary to the table. And maybe, maybe the you know, I'll eat my words when people actually use it day to day and then it's great and everyone loves it. The, the, the eye tracking, I think, is the big thing where they've got a chance to stand apart because the eye tracking on the Vision Pro looks really, really good and super quick, super precise, and you can just glance at what you're looking at and tap with your fingers on your lap. It's like mind reading, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's their opportunity to stand apart. But it doesn't feel like they've got, like, a huge USP that other companies couldn't offer hardware-wise. Software-wise, Apple's building on an incredible foundation of operating systems and they've got the UI team making, you know, a really nice experience and they'll have all the iPad apps there at launch and they've got, you know, a motivated base of developers to make software for it. So it definitely has advantages, but you do have to then reconcile that with the $3,500 price point. So I don't think Vision Pro is going to change the world. It's just a fact. It's too expensive. It could be the best product Mm -hmm. that's ever lived and it's just too expensive. I'm not even sure a version that's half the price would change the world. Still seems expensive. But you can see over the long arc of time where this division is going, right? Yeah, Smaller, absolutely. Smaller, cheaper, glasses, eventually, right? Like, I do think the future is in that direction, but the Vision Pro isn't isn't that. But all that aside, I think it's really cool and I'd love to, love to try <laughs> yeah. it next year. Are you going to make a plan to try and try one at some point? Are you going to try to go to a lab, developer lab or Yeah, maybe. I don't I actually don't know if the labs you get to like just play about with it. That's the problem like if I'm going yeah. to like my understanding of the labs is like, you know, you can use the software but like you're mostly just testing your app against it. Like I want to like sit with it for 3 days and just walk around my house and tap fingers tap my fingers together, you know, <laughs> like that's the that's the enjoyment part of it. But that but that's diff like the three day one one week one month love of it is does not justify yeah. spending three and a half grand on it, right? So that's where the disconnect is. Aside from the fact that it's only launched in the US at launch and it's not even coming out in the UK until the end of the year, so you know there's practical issues there too. But the thing's cool, and I can't wait for us to talk about it when you get one. Probably February. That seems to be where everyone's landing now. I never February said for launch. sure I'm going to get one. We're still- oh, you're getting one. I'm still thinking about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to get one because Apple's going to be gracious and bless us with review units. That'd be great. Yeah, I, that's fine by me. I don't care how you acquire one. <laughs> but I know you're getting one. We'll see. <laughs> uh, services. Let's round it out with services. Let's wrap it up. Music this year. No changes to the service, really, but they keep making the app better and better and better. Great. Apple Podcasts. Music Classical was this year. Oh, I forgot about Apple Music Classical. Yeah. yeah. Apple Music Classical was this year. The revolutionary. I use it every day. I mean, if you're not listening <laughs> I mean, if to you like Beethoven. Classical music, I yeah. mean, people do use it, but it's just a weird niche. It's just a weird thing. I still think it's weird they made a whole separate app just for one genre yeah. of music. Uh, but they did. And they've added Android app and they've added an iPad app and they seem committed to it. Good for them. Podcasts, a bit better this year. Small leaps forward. They added that image support. Like, that's really cool for the podcast that support it, like the Apple News Today thing. Just having like a preview featured image for every episode, it adds a bit to the experience. Like it's just nice. 
and it just stops you seeing the same repetitive artwork over and over again. News Plus, not really any changes here, but they added crossword puzzles. If That's like a big change. Puzzles, That's a big change. It. <laughs> Fitness Plus actually had quite a lot of updates this year with soft through software. They added like fit workout plans, and you can do like an up next queue of workouts and stuff. So they're definitely investing there software wise. Uh, Apple TV, Apple Arcade, mm, not really anything to speak of other than they're just carrying on the same strategy they had before. TV Plus, they obviously did the incredible redesigned TV app with Point Two, which is, <laughs> you know, adds a sidebar, nice, but otherwise all my same complaints kind of continue. Uh, I think the big thing with TV Plus this year is they embarked on their theatrical strategy for big budget movies where you see movies come first to cinemas. And then seemingly get a VOD release for buy or rent. And then eventually stream Apple TV+. Plus. So the first one of this was Killers of the Flower Moon, which debuted in cinemas in October. Was exclusively in cinemas for like a month and a half. Now it's available for buy or rent. And sometime in the new year, it will be on TV Plus to stream. They're doing that in Napoleon. They're going to do it with all their big films. They just announced actually that for 24, uh, they're... Two of their big films are being distributed with Sony. That's Wolves, which is Brad Pitt and George Clooney, like a hmm. like a, th- a drama thriller thing. And Project Artemis, which stars Channing Tatum. And it's like some like space adventure drama thing. Uh, so the first, Killers of the Moon is Paramount. Um, Napoleon was Sony. And Argyle, which comes out in February, is Universal. But the two they just announced are both Sony. So it seems like they're pairing up with Sony for future releases. I still don't know what I think about the whole, like, it goes to buy and renting before it gets to streaming. That feels a bit punishing to people that are subscribing to the service. The theatrical part makes perfect sense to me. I think we've already seen Killers of Flamme and Napoleon make huge impact, or relatively huge impact compared to other Apple original films, just by mm-hmm. the fact that they win cinemas and they got extra marketing. I think more people have seen Killers of Flamme than maybe any other TV Plus release ever, and it's not even on TV Plus yet. So I think that strategy works, and they get to reclaim some of the production costs back. So I don't think they're going to give up on that. The streaming, not at the same time as being on VOD, is not as nice, and I feel that there's less justification for that. Maybe that will change. I'm just waiting for Killers of Famine to be on streaming, to be on TV Plus, so I can actually watch it. Uh, And then the thing that kind of encapsulates all of services is price increases, because they whack the price up quite a lot on TV Plus, on Apple Arcade... A year after raising the prices. A year after raising the prices, yeah. A year and like three months ago, TV Plus was four ninety nine a month. Now it's nine ninety nine a month. Yeah. And of course, you also saw the knock on price increases to the Apple One Bundle. It's hard to say Apple One Bundle offers great value anymore. When it launched, I think it did. Now they're yeah. really teetering on the edge. I think TV Plus is too expensive. I like TV Plus. They do good stuff. They're keeping doing good stuff. It's too expensive. Four ninety nine, it was good value. Six ninety nine, it was decent value. Nine ninety nine, it's just gone over the edge. They've got to really ramp up to get back to being to to meet that price increase. I've said it before, but Apple Arcade is still like my my probably most used Apple service, other than Apple Music. I think the strategy of bringing back classic games, releasing new games, the in-app experience. Like if you go to the App Store and you're looking for a game, whether it's a specific game or like just like a, a broad category, like you want to download like a new solitaire game. You always, I always look for the if there's an Apple Arcade version, just because I know it's included in the subscription. There's no annoying in-app purchases. There's no ads. 
because once you venture into games on the iPhone that are like free and ad supported or free with in-app purchases, that's like the wild, wild west of the app store. <laughs> you watch, you'll watch so many ads, you'll it, it just ruins the experience. And you know, Apple Arcade is always going to be a pretty good experience when you find a game through it. Yeah, Arcade is good. And it, this was this was the first price increase for Apple Arcade, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So that it was, was just four ninety nine to six ninety nine a month. Yeah. And then the last thing, I, notable in services, was that the launch of MLS Season Pass, right? This is Apple's oh, first yeah. big sports sports dive-in. They launched in February, all MLS games for the whole season. They managed to get Lionel Messi to join in, which elevated even more. The Messi factor has definitely meant that Apple beat all of its expectations in terms of subscribers and viewers. I think they're very happy with it. They Obviously, you know, it's a 10-year deal, so they're not giving up on it. Uh, I hopefully they will launch on like an Android app at some point because I do think it's kind of stupid that they have every other platform but Android phones. That's for TV and oh, yeah, um, then knock on MF, oh, knock on MLS too. Uh, but I think the big point here is that they've proved the the concept. It works. People like season pass, but it's MLS, right? It's a small scale league. What we're really waiting for is for Apple to do a similar kind of thing with a big ticket sport. That's Some could say a Sunday ticket package. <laughs> yeah. They failed. Yeah, which, they which they obviously bailed on. Yeah. But there's been rumors of F1. There's been rumors of NBA bidding. There's been rumors of a lot of stuff. There's been rumors most recently about Argentine soccer. Apparently. Oh, that'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess if you're an Argentinian, then yeah, yeah it will. Uh, but you know what I mean, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. NBA, NFL, MLB. Apple's clearly interested in that stuff. Even just an expansion of Friday Night Baseball. Do more Friday Night Baseball. Do Thursday yeah. Night Baseball. Something. Yeah. I, I, like Apple loves MLS, and MLS has done them, treated them well so far, but they're never going to get more than a million or two subscribers, practically speaking, just doing soccer in America. They have to branch out. They're Apple. they got the money to do it. They will at some point. We're just waiting for them to, to jump. All right, so that's Apple in 2023. Anything else, Mayo? I think we, I keep thinking we forgot something, but I think throughout the course of this episode, we've remembered things that we didn't, we didn't even have Vision Pro in our Apple note. Yeah. <laughs> we forgot Vision Pro, but <laughs> we remembered. That, I mean, that's going to be the story next year, right? Yeah. The, the, I keep remembering, though, the iPhones next year are going to have bigger screens. That's always a good Barely. Year. Barely. Bare, maybe. Small, we'll see. Sm yeah. Yeah. The Vision Pro is going to dominate next year, for good or for bad. We'll see if I buy one. I can't wait to try it. I think that does it for this week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a rating and a review, and find an ad-free version of the show for $5 a month or $50 a year. You can send us feedback, Happy Hour at 9to5mac.com. You can find me on Threads, Twitter, or Mastodon, at Chance H. Miller. And Mayo, what about you? At BZA Mayo. And we will see everybody in 2024. Thanks, Mayo. Bye-bye.